Welcome to the Unmothered Podcast. Join me as we explore all the feelings and confusion surrounding the mother-daughter bond. Laugh with me, cry with me, and learn new ways to cope with what can be a very lonely existence without a mother to rely on. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello listeners, just popping on here to let you know that today's episode is a little bit of a heavier one. We are talking about some possible triggering topics such as suicide, and if you need to, feel free to skip this episode. Hi peeps! Okay, well, um, here's the episode that I was not looking forward to doing, but I knew that I needed to do it out of necessity. Um, It is about grief, (laughs) as I laugh awkwardly. Um, I felt like I needed to do a grief episode because of the things that I've gone through in the last few months, and um, it's just been heavy on my mind, and I really wanted to, um, I guess one, just like, you know, I always talk about in trauma coaching to just name the harm, name the trauma. And the trauma is in, um, late November, early December. So I'll I'll go through the story first. November 21st, I got a phone call late at night that my brother had committed suicide. Not a phone call I was ever expecting, not a phone call, um, just not that kind of death that I ever expected in our family. Although I will say my brother has always struggled with mental illness and, um, and so we were not super close. Here's what's great about God though. We took care of my father who was in a nursing home at the time. Brian was in charge of his care. He had power of attorney and all of that. And, um, Two weeks before this happened, we actually had sat down in the lobby of this nursing home and had a really beautiful discussion, probably one of the best discussions we've ever had. And it was shocking to me that we had that discussion. I felt like God just, you know, gave me that gift of there was no arguing. There was no, I had huge boundaries around him for many reasons and I loved my brother. I want to preface that. I loved my brother. I love my brother. Um, but there was struggles. And so I had to set high boundaries around him. But we did have a father in common that we needed to take care of together. He did the majority because he asked uh, a few years back, like in 2021, my dad was put in the hospital with AFib. And at that time, he said, you know, I think I want to take over his care and not share it. And I had taken care of our mom, um, by myself, uh, and none of my siblings wanted to help. And that was fine. And I did that for 16 years. And I think he realized, yeah, I think I want to step up and help and do this for whatever reason. So I, I gave everything over to him. And I think I had discussed this before on another episode that I was able to just be a daughter, which is a foreign thing for me because I'm usually the parent which that's a narrative that needed exploring through trauma coaching, that I felt like I had to be the parent. I did have to be the parent. My parents were not people that stepped up and just like took control of things. They were like, well, I don't know. What do you want to do kind of thing? And you're like, 
this is not good to ask, you know, a teenager, I don't know, what do you want to do? What do you feel like doing? It's like, I want to get crazy. So as we got older, it was like, I stepped into this role of like caregiver, parent kind of thing. And then Brian came along at that point and said, I really want to take care of him. So through that time, you know, we, we still had to have boundaries around it, but we had my dad in common. And then we had this great conversation. And then two weeks later, I get this phone call. So what I tell people is I was shocked, but I was not surprised. He had struggled his whole life and um, things were not good in his life and most of which he brought on himself. And so it's just been a real convoluted lot of feelings. And one thing I will say about suicide is that there are more questions than answers. And there's a lot of anger towards that because there's so many questions. And you're just like, why couldn't you just come to me and talk instead of taking your life? So that happened... And then 10 days later, so I had to tell my father in the nursing home. So my niece, my brother's daughter, had come to help out. And we went in together and told my dad, we just told him that um, he had a heart attack, that his heart was weak, which is true. I didn't want to tell my 98-year-old father that his son had committed suicide. I think that would have instantly killed him. But it didn't matter. As soon as I told him he had he was gone, the look on my dad's face was like something I never want to see again. Super hard. So, um, so my dad passed away ten days later. Um, that was a different experience. I was out of town. I was actually out of state. I was getting my trauma certification, and the nurse called. Um, over a two-day period saying he's needing oxygen, we need to put him on Ativan, he's getting agitated. I knew once they put him on Ativan, that's pretty much like a goodbye. She said, Phyllis, I know you're in Chicago, but I don't know if he's going to make it through the weekend. This was Friday afternoon. By Friday night, I got another phone call that he had passed. Now, the difference with that one is they said he was so peaceful. He fell asleep, took a nap, and that was it. Um... The nurse before that had said, I love your dad. He's my favorite. He, um, he and I share the same birthday. And I said, oh, he's my favorite too. So it was comforting to know that there were nurses there that loved him as much as I love my dad. So what do we do when trauma hits twice? And how much trauma can a heart handle? I don't have an answer for that. And what do we need when, when we are going through this kind of trauma? So I wanted to talk about grief because mostly this started happening as soon as the word got out that my both my dad and my brother had passed is some people did grief really well. They just said, I'm so sorry. I'm here if you need me. We love you. This is a lot. Um, praying for you. Good texts, good emails. Then there was other. I got messages or phone calls from people going, well, it's for the best. God works everything out the way it's supposed to. This is just meant to happen. Like all these kind of feel good. They would throw out these like 
beautiful verses that really have nothing to do with grief and trying to get to the happy. Like, don't feel grief. Just get, you know, God's going to take care of it. So don't feel grief. I'm like, no, God also says in the Bible, we, when you grieve, because you're going to grieve, because bad things happen in this faulty world. When you grieve, I'll be with you. When you grieve, I will hold you. I will collect all your tears. Why? Because you're going to be crying. I'm going to collect every single one. He doesn't waste any tear. So what's the first thing you do when you're going through grief is you have to take your time to get well, to get to a more stable place. The first week, I I had to shut everything down. My body and my emotions were wrecked, like Literally, if I could tell you my heart hurt, like it literally hurt. I felt um, dizzy. I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't really eat except comfort food. I just wanted junk food. Like I wanted just soup and crackers. I wanted cake. I'll eat some candy. I'll have some ice cream. Um, I'll drink some tea. But like, I just, I just couldn't, it's like my feelings were all over the place and there isn't, there wasn't anything that I could really pray away to not physically feel those feelings. I mean, I think God could take it away if he wanted to, cause he's God, he could take it away in an instant, but that wasn't happening. The grief was so deep because I don't know if you've ever had two deaths within a week It's too much for your body to handle to try to just be like, okay, let's go back to work. Okay, let's start. I told my daughter, I said, everything is shut down. I, my brain, I can't even wrap my head around what just happened. There is no way, like I couldn't get on a podcast and start podcasting to you. I couldn't get on a phone call. I had, I had coaching calls. I was like, I got to cancel it. I had other coaching programs that I was working with with some women I had to voxer them and say like I I can't do I'm out for this whole month I just I can't participate I can't I have nothing to share all I want to do is cry stay in bed and you know that's what I did for like a week I just kind of moped around the house I responded to some emails or texts or whatever from close friends, relatives. I had to let people know. That's the other thing. I I was responsible for calling my brother's kids, my niece and nephew. My nephew stationed in Italy. I had to get a leave for him. Like there was things I had to do that grieved me to no end. You never want to be the person that has to get on the phone call to tell someone else that you love that the person that they're related to has died like those are things that grief like people go oh grief it's sad there's a lot of components in it and if we don't grieve well it's like we end up becoming these robots but that stuff gets stored away in you and so I took my time I cried I I slept I reached out to people that I knew could you know, comfort me. And then I backed away from some that I thought, yeah, that if I talk to that person, like even though they're well-meaning, it might trigger me. So I'm not going to talk to that person right now. I knew the things that my body needed 
my soul needed, my mind needed. I knew those things. And you just know your body's going to be weak, so you have to pace yourself. I watch people trying to go back and just like, boom, let's go back and do what we, like, let's just move on. Let's move on. Let's toughen up. Like, don't, don't feel that feeling. My mom taught me that at a young age where whenever she had trauma or got really even physically hurt, it was like, nope, just ignore the elephant in the room. Ignore the broken leg. Don't worry about that. Nope, I'm fine. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Get it together. That's immediately where my body and mind wanted to go to. And I was like, but no, this is way bigger. It's too much. I can't do it. There's the everyday things like the house needs to be clean, like dinners need to be made. You can't do it. I I looked at laundry stacking up for that week. I was like, I don't even care. Like I was just like, shut down. And my beautiful husband was just like, what do you need? You need, you want me to make you dinner? Like, what do you want to eat today? I'm like, I don't even know. He's just like, I'm going to make this. Do you want this? I'm like, no, he's all, okay, what do you need? I'll, I'll make it for you. He was at the ready. Like if I said, I just need you to leave me alone. Great. I'm going to leave you alone. Um, you let me know what you need. There was no anger to it like well I'm trying to help and you you know this is where this is the thing if you have people that are not healed together when you shut someone else down because you're dealing with your own pain and now you've triggered them into their own pain they come at you and then it creates a whole nother level of stress for you because now you have to make them feel better even though you're the one going through grief so this is where you know learning these tools to grieve well come in he has learned well how my mind and body works and I know the same for him so that when we say leave me alone I'm not rejecting him I'm saying I need time and he's like okay I got that for you when when I see him going just give me a minute I need to go sit in the office and do some stuff I'll be back later like in an hour or whatever, 15 minutes, whatever it is, I'm like, okay. I don't take that on as my own grief and stress and say like, why are you being so mean to me? Like, how could you be like that? It has nothing to do with you. So please know when somebody just needs to be alone for a few minutes, give them that space. It's the best thing you can do for them. They will be able to calm their body and then come back and say like, okay, I think I need a hug from you right now or something. And then, you know, all is well. The first week, I couldn't really be around people. And so, um, and if you know me, I'm kind of not, I am a people person and I'm not a people person. So I'm like, you know, a little of both. And I do really well by myself. But here's the problem. I am an isolator. I will shut the whole world down Some of my friends are like, Phyllis, you're so bad at this. Like you just hide out. And I'm like, I know because I don't, I'm not someone that needs like extra hugs and kisses and all. I'm just like, ooh, nope. (laughs) If you come at me too strong, I, I mean, I remember back in the day when I had boyfriends that were like smothering me, I'm like, ooh. You got to go because I can't handle that. Like it just was not my love language. And so I have to check myself because I'm an isolator. So the first week, of course, my body and mind could not handle 
being around people, talking to them about what happened, just going over it. It was bad enough I had to do texts through relatives and things that I had to let know. And it's like, what happened? Tell me all the details. And so I just stayed in my house for a week and just grieved and cried and, you know, talked to Mike. I got to get a hug from my daughter. Like I I got hugs from my husband and my daughter when needed. I got phone calls from my older daughter and my grandkids when needed. I was able to go down there and sit with my grandkids. It was the best thing where I Actually, this happened right before Thanksgiving with my brother. And so I remember going down. I'm like, I can't even cook. And they were like, my son-in-law and my husband are like, we got it. Don't worry. I sat on the couch and I held my little grandson, my youngest grandson. My oldest grandson came. He just knew. He felt it. We have a special bond. And he came over and just crawled under the blankets with me and just sat right next to me, which he normally doesn't do a lot. And it was just really a comforting time to be around family. But you shouldn't isolate for long. So when I came back, I called another friend who ironically, and I will say (laughs) there's no coincidences, it's a quince god. Her dad had passed away the month before and I had been keeping in touch with her. I contacted her. She's actually a friend. Shout out to Nicole. She is someone that we have lent, uh, breakfast with each other about once a month and we switch off to at each other's houses. So one month she'll cook the breakfast and I'll come to her house. The next month I'll cook the breakfast. She comes to my house and we literally sit for two to three hours and just chat. We cry. We laugh. We just talk about all things we comfort each other. We are the same personality. We're both like very low key. We don't need a lot of people. We're not like super social people. Um, and so I contacted her and I said, I need a breakfast. And she goes, I'll cook for you. And I said, no, actually, I want to cook our favorite breakfast because cooking for me is a, a love language and a comfort to me. And I said, We're going to do lemon ricotta pancakes and we're going to do some fresh strawberries, some fresh homemade whipped cream. We're going to make my favorite coffee. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm there. And she came over and we had the most delicious breakfast and we sat and we talked about our dads and we cried and we held each other and it was the best thing from my heart. And so I want to encourage you, if you have that friend that you can just come together with and and I would encourage you find a friend that you do connect with make that connection especially if you're an isolator we make ourselves get together about once a month because we're both the same way we'll just hole up in our house we'll kind of be in our own little family bubble we won't really you know do too much outside of the realm and so that has been a great comfort for us to just come together as friends and you know talk to each other and God likes community, and so you don't want to just do this grief story alone. It's not good for you. You have to reach out to other people, be able to express your feelings in public, like when when you can, not right away, but when you can, when you feel comfortable, share with somebody who's trusted, that will sit with you, that doesn't try to have all the answers for everything, but just sits with you and cries with you well and and tells you like I'm here for you and we've been texting back and forth like how are you doing today how are you feeling and at any time either one of us are like yeah it's been a hard week we're both coming into the holidays and 
now we don't have family. And so it's, uh, it's very hard. It's very difficult. And so find that one person that can really help you through that. The last thing is there's, there's really no timeline for grief. I, I feel like people try to wrap it all up and if we could just get her through that first year, then she won't have to talk about it anymore. It's like, no, we're going to be talking about it forever, not nonstop, but it will come up birthdays, holidays, like it will be there forever. There's no timeline for grief. You don't get to a certain point and go, okay, done with that. Bye. Like moving on to the next thing. Um, no, your grief, like my son will, would have been 40 this January. And I feel like I miss him more now than I did because I was shut down the first probably 20 years of my life. I didn't really grieve him because I didn't know I didn't know how. No one had taught me. I was that person. It was like, okay, that happened. Moving on. Why? Because when I was eight, I was taken out of my environment. Like, okay, moving on. We're going to do a whole new life. Like, you just forget about what, don't grieve what you're losing. Just move on. So that's what I had learned as a child is like, grief happens. You move on. You just keep going. That's not what happens. And you need to grieve that well. So don't try to rush somebody. And please don't throw a bunch of feel good things at them thinking that that's going to make them better. And cause you're uncomfortable with their grief. So let me make them happy so that I don't have to be uncomfortable. Be like, Oh, this is so awkward. They're crying all the time. I don't like it. Let's get them to happy. It's like, no, let them grieve. Ask them questions. Is there something I can do for you? Is there anything that you need? Would you like me to help you with something? I am here for you. You know what the best texts I got from people? Texts that were like, good morning, love. Just checking on you. No need to respond. I just wanted you to know that I love you. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. And I'm so sorry you're going through this. Best text ever. Because there was no expectation of me having to jump in and make them feel good. Or I'm okay. Or oh, it's been a rough day. But let me tell you all. It was like nothing. And half of those ones, I didn't respond. Because I was like, I'm exhausted. I just, I don't want to talk to anyone. They're like, no need to respond. Don't need to hear from you. Just wanted to let you know. We're thinking about you. We are praying for you. We're standing in the gap. Oh, yeah. Stand in the gap for me. Stand in the gap for someone who's going through that. Let them know you are praying to God, asking for comfort for them because they don't even have the strength to do that right now. So one of the things that I love to do when I'm kind of going through like my little isolation period and after like a few days, I was like, I just need some junk TV. I just need to numb out a little bit right here. Grey's Anatomy is a good show for that because it's always, I always feel connected to Meredith because we have the same Alzheimer's mom kind of experience and just some of the things she's gone through. I'm like, oh man, me too. But I have to tell you, there was this one episode where one of the characters, Maggie, had just lost her mom from cancer and she said this best to someone. They came into the hospital, one of the rooms she was in, and she said, wow, I thought I was past all that spontaneous tears thing. And I was like, ooh, well said. Because after the first couple of weeks, I was like, okay, I got to go to the store. We really don't have groceries. And my husband does not get groceries the way I get groceries. It's fine. He does fine. <laughs> but it was a little short on some stuff. And so I was like, I just got to get to the store. 
it's funny how you fall back into these little patterns. And so I went to the store. I just blindly did some shopping. I got to the checkout counter and I started feeling the anxiety rise within me. And I started being like, hurry up, bag the groceries. I need to pay for the groceries. I got as far as the car and spontaneously the tears started coming. And I was like, where is this coming from? I hate this. Like I hate it so much. And yet I know it's necessary. So I cried all the way home dried my tears before I got into the door and was like, okay, that was a good 15 minutes of crying because I go to a shop that's like at it, at, it's in the next town. So it's about 15, 20 minutes away. So I had a good 15 minute cry and it did feel comforting after, but it's so hard and the spontaneous tears will happen at the weirdest places. And I just want to encourage you to let them come. If you need to step outside somewhere, if you need to just say, sorry guys, I gotta go. I just, I can't, I gotta go. And you just get in the car, cry it out, scream, do whatever you have to. Your body needs that release. Don't shy away from it. And um, please reach out to a therapist or a coach or someone. If you just need someone to talk to, like please reach out. Let these people hold you. I'm going to be talking to my therapist this year, probably a lot. (laughs) And um, I always have her on speed dial. Like she is someone who can look at things in a different light, place it back together to show me what it, what kind of a bigger picture of what it's about so that I can get to a, just a clearer place in my head about things. Not, not that it's not wrapped up in a nice little bow, just a clearer picture where I can grieve well. I can pour out some things to her, to her. She can share some stuff with me and I can be like, okay, yeah. Okay. I feel calmer. And I think, um, I can work through some of these things. She shows me some tools that I can use to comfort myself and to, um, you know, stay on a good path so that I don't spiral out of control or isolate myself to a place where it's unhealthy, which is where my brother ended up, is that he isolated to a point where he didn't really trust anyone, I think, with his feelings to the point of um, being able to get help to be, I, I just can't even imagine like getting to that place where you're like, nobody can help me. This is the end of the road. Like, I just, I don't even know like what that feels like, um, to that degree. So I want to encourage you, if you are going through a grief process right now, if you've had a really big trauma, um, please hold on and know that there are things that you can do um, to comfort yourself, to reach out for help, and always, always, always to just pray continuously and ask God to just show you, have him put people in front of you that are physically here, because prayer works with him in the silent, but also he brings people along in the present to help you here on earth because we can't do this alone and you shouldn't do grief alone. And so, um, I just want to encourage you today that if you've had like some really hard things happen to you in the last, this last year or this last few months, like me, um, please reach out and, uh, get the help that you need, find good friends that you can trust and, I pray that each and every one of you gets to a place of peace in your heart where you know that um, that this this time will pass uh, eventually in a less traumatic way. It will always be a grief, but 
it will be a different kind of grief as time goes on. And so um, I just want to let you guys know I love you so much, and I hope that this episode helped you. If you are going through a hard time, know that you're not alone. I see you. I believe in you, and God loves you. And until next time, peeps, I'll see you later. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to get connected with other women who share your unmothered heart, head on over to my private Unmothered Facebook community group. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast to help me share this message with other listeners. All the links mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes below. Bye, peeps.